Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. We're in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to work through verses 5 through 8 this morning in our Bibles. And we're working through a series I've titled Jesus Worldview. Jesus Worldview. We literally look through the lens, we look through the eyes of the Lord Jesus. There's a lot of opinions, there's a lot of stuff going around in this day and age, and it's very hard to navigate through all of the things going on in this day and age, of morality, of politics, of society, of family, of marriage. And at the end of the day, I really want to know what God says about these things. I want to know his truth about these things. And that's why we started this series, Jesus Worldview. We're looking through Jesus' eyes, seeing what he has to say about these things. This is sermon number 21 through the book of Matthew. The title of the message today is Talk With Your Father. Talk With Your Father. If you're taking notes. Heard of a story, maybe you heard it too. One day, Joe, Bob, and Dave were hiking into a wilderness when they came upon a large, raging, violent river. They needed to get to the other side, but had no idea of how to do so. So Joe prayed to God saying, please, God, give me the strength to cross this river. Poof. God gave him big arms and strong legs, and he was able to swim across the river in about two hours, although he almost drowned. Seeing this, Dave prayed to God saying, please God, give me the strength and the tools to cross this river. And poof, God gave him a rowboat and he was able to row across the river in about an hour, almost capsizing the boat a couple times, but he made it. And finally, Bob had seen how this worked out for the other two, so he prayed, God, please give me the strength and tools and intelligence to cross the river. Poof, God turned him into a woman. She took take a look at the map, hiked upstream, and walked across the bridge right there at the end of the... It's just a joke. Praying. I tell the message today talking to your father because I think that prayer has become this thing that a lot of us become anxious about even when we do pray, especially in front of other people, or it can become a vain repetition or ritual, something that we feel like we have to do every day. And we've gotten away from just talking with our Father, and we've kind of fallen into a category of religion, where we think that it has to be the most holy thing. We have to get in a certain position, down on one knee, and my hand has to be this way. And then I have to say, thus thee thou saith the Lord, O almighty God, hear my prayers. We don't need to be that religious. We don't need to fake holiness when we pray. God sees through all of this fluff and is just looking simply at the heart. Prayer seems to be fading from this society a little bit. We're oftentimes too busy to pray. We have too much on our minds to actually commune with our God. We have too many people to impress to actually pray just a sincere, unfiltered prayer of what we really need, of what we're really wanting and desiring from the Lord. Jesus today talks about the honesty of our prayers. And when we pray, are we doing it to be heard by another person or are we praying for ourselves to hear our own prayers so that we can feel like we've prayed greatly today? Do we use lofty, impressive words and try to think of good things to say in our prayer so we will impress the people listening? Who 
are we really praying to? Are we really seeking the Lord? This is our topic at hand today. Just talk with your father. Just talk with your dad. Matthew chapter 6. Take a look at verse 5 in our Bibles. If you'd like to, you can stand for the reading of God's word with me. We always stand for the reading of God's word to pay honor to him and to remember whose word we are reading. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says to his disciples, his followers, he says, hey, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees you in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you already know our prayers even before we pray them. And so there's no need to make up lofty things but just to talk to you, pray to you. And Lord, we do ask you to hear us now. Here we are, gathered on this hill. We pray that you would hear our prayers. You'd hear the depths of our hearts. You'd hear what's going on. Please hear from heaven. Please heal us. Please renew us. Please encourage us and build us this day, we pray. Minister to us through your word. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. You can be seated. Remember the theme of this verse from verses 18. I'm sorry, these 18 verses here in chapter 6. Jesus' statements, he says this over and over, beware, beware, beware. He's grabbing attention. He is sounding a danger sign. And the statement in verse 1, he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. Beware of this. Watch out. Alert. Don't do this. Beware of practicing righteousness before other people. Like my whole purpose of doing it is so that other people can see. He says, be careful in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. We talked about this last week that you can have your reward now, the applause of those like, man, you're holy. Dude, you're, you're holy, man. The way that you hold yourself, the way, that, the way that you pray, the way that you act. And sometimes we'll be doing it just for the applause of people in front of us instead of genuinely doing it for Almighty God. Now, no doubt, don't forget, we can't do deeds and acts in front of of no one. We have to do it in front of other people so they can see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. So what is Jesus getting at? Family, he's getting back to our motive. What is your motive for doing this? Where is it coming from? See, the default setting of our hearts many times is to be seen. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, I think that the highest picture that you can have of a man is to look at him on his knees waiting on God. That is the highest achievement of man. It is his noble noblest activity. When you think about that picture, and if you've ever been in that place, it's this one. Listen, it's when you go into your room by yourself and you get down on your knees and you're either staring at carpet or the floor 
Or you're bowed before Almighty God by yourself. No one else sees. No one else knows but you. And you're saying, Lord, hear me, please. I got this going on. I need your help. Father, please help me. Or you go up on a hill. You go for a walk. You go for a hike by yourself. And you're overlooking a valley. You look up to the sky and say, God, do you hear me? You start trying to commune with your Father. And it's the most genuine, real, authentic moments. It's those moments when you know that God hears you and God alone hears you. There's no one else to hear you. What are we doing it for? The birds? No one else is listening. It's those powerful moments that I believe change us. There's so many moments that I had, especially in my early 20s, when I was living in Mexico. We were on this mission uh, taking care of these handicapped orphans, and we stayed there for four months. We didn't have TV, we didn't have phones, and we didn't have the newspaper. All kinds of crazy stuff was going on in the world. We didn't even know what was going on. We didn't see a car in four months, no joke. We were just there living in the middle of the hills of Carmen Serdan, Mexico. And I never, I'll never forget these times because so many days over and over, I would take walks out into the middle of nowhere, and I would just commune with the Lord. And I'd sing a song by myself. And I would open the word and I would journal. I'd take out my journal and I would just write and write and write all the things I felt the Lord was ministering to me. The most real, authentic times. And I'll confess that being back in this society now, it's very hard for me to get back into those places because there's so much going on. There's so much drowning my ears. There's so much busy and, and the society will cheer you on in it. So we have to carve out these secret places we have to carve out these quiet times. We've got to find it. We've got to find a way to do it. The enemy hates when we pray to God. He loves to distract us and get us focused on anything but God. Notice Jesus was tempted in prayer. He went out into the wilderness to pray and seek his father, and he got tempted there. The worst thing that could happen in prayer is to get focused on ourselves or to get focused on what other people think. And then we've lost our communication once again with the Lord. We're talking to ourselves or we're talking to impress others around us when we pray. The real question, do we commune with God? That's what I'm asking you today. I want that for you more than anything. I want you to commune with your God. I want you to know him. Because I know when you do, you're living at level 10. You are living at the highest level you can live in your life when you are communing with God your father. This is what Jesus did often. It empowers us to then go and live in the most practical ways of loving and serving our neighbor and our God right in front of us in our work, with our neighbors, with our family, with our friends. But it comes from a genuine connection, authentic relationship with our father. So Jesus did. Verse 5, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. The phrase again that Jesus used in the beginning of the chapter. Point number one, if you're taking notes, praying to people. Let's talk about it. The picture that Jesus is giving here is the person who is supposedly so excited to pray that they can't even help themselves to wait until they get to the temple because they're on their way in his day and age walking to the temple. But they're so excited that they have to stop in the middle of the streets on their way to the temple 
and start praying loudly in front of everyone. Can you imagine? I'm on my way to the temple. I'm going to church. I'm going to pray today. Forget this. I'm stopping right in the middle of the street. Right here. Here we go. Laurel Canyon, Ventura Boulevard. Lord God Almighty, do you hear me? Everybody's looking. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? You, you're, you're being weird. Stop that. In the middle of the street, they start praying to be seen by others. You can't you can't wait until you get to the temple because you need to be seen by others. Jesus calls these people hypocrites. He says, because the whole point in doing so is they want the crowds to watch them pray. Now, I'm not saying that it's bad to pray in public. Not at all. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to lead by example in praying in public. What Jesus is getting at is the root, the authentic, genuine communing with your father. This is when we are praying, desiring to win the favor of a person, praying to them or in front of them instead of just praying to God. And family, we just need to lose all the extra junk on our prayers. Don't worry about people. Don't worry about if they think your prayer was good or not, if they think you're holy or not. Don't pray to be seen. Who cares what they think? This is between you and your father. And all that matters in the end is whether or not he has heard the prayer. It doesn't matter if they heard it or not. Luke 18, 19, it's a beautiful picture. Luke 18, 19, if you're taking notes. He also told this parable to some of those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Check out this story. Jesus says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and one was from the IRS, a tax collector. Taxes are coming. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector over here. Thank you, God, I'm not like this guy. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get, but the tax collector standing off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying this, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You get two pictures here. The man standing in front of everyone declaring his good works in his prayer. You ever heard that? You ever heard that in a prayer? You're like, you're in a group prayer meeting, like, Lord, I just thank you that I read my Bible every single day. And Lord, man, when I spent 10 hours in prayer the other day, that was the most wonderful time of fellowship with you, God. Lord, when I helped that homeless dude, the other guy across the street, and that was, gave him all that money. Man, Lord, I know you're going to bless me for that. <laughs> what are we doing? That's what this guy literally says. Lord, I thank you that I'm not like these idiot sinners over here. I fast two times a week. I do this, I do this, I do this. It's like, who are you praying to? Then you have the tax collector. So he's broken. It says the guy gets down on his knees. Nobody sees him. He's over in the corner. He starts beating his chest. That God, please, just be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm the worst. Help me. And Jesus says, God, here's that man. He doesn't hear that other guy. Yeah, but that guy has the religious garbs on. He looks holy in his robe. God doesn't hear him. God hears that broken man over there. One of the best ways I found to just enjoy the Lord and pray only to him and no one else, not even myself, it's like I was saying earlier, it's just taking walks with the Lord away from everything where it is quiet. 
So I love getting out on the water. I love sitting on the water by myself. Surfers are generally quiet. They don't talk. They'll be like, that was good, man. And that's it. The conversation's over. You kind of just sit there in the water, quiet, and everyone, I can commune with the Lord. I can be very quiet. I can paddle off over away from everybody. Love those days. Early mornings, nobody else is out. Just quiet. You get to start opening your heart up to the Lord and just dumping all this stuff going on to him. It's when you really start to focus on him, talk to him, listen to him. I like praying things, just sharing what's on my heart with my father, then just being quiet for a long time. Just listen. Like, Lord, what are you trying to say? I've, I've never heard the voice of God audibly, like, this is God. Never heard that. It's always... The Lord bringing a scripture to my heart, impressing something upon me that someone else told me, a story from the past, something else where I sense that sounds like God, that sounds like his word, that's ministering deeply to me. That's my communion with him personally. Psalm 145, 18 says, the Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Amen. Psalm 145, 18. I like calling this getting back to the garden. Getting back to the Garden of Eden. That's why I love our name for our little girl, Eden. She reminds me of the garden. She reminds me of where Adam and Eve met with Almighty God. I want you to rewind back to the Garden of Eden, the beginning of time when everything was perfect. There was no sin in the world. And what did Adam do? What did Eve do every day? You know what they did? They got up. They went on walks with their God. Adam tended to the garden. He took care of all the fruit, all all the trees around. He was over the animal kingdom. He was just hanging out. He worked and did not sweat. He worked and did not become fatigued at all. He enjoyed creation. He had fun. And he communed with his God. He just talked with the Lord. Just talked and communed with the Lord. And there's a scripture in Genesis where it says that Adam would walk with God in the cool of the day. And that he heard the voice of God in the cool of the day. I almost think of like um, late afternoon, like almost at dusk, when it's just starting to cool a little bit. The sun's going down. It's like, hey son, come on, let's go for a walk. They just go for a walk through the Garden of Eden and they just enjoy communing with each other. That's the way it's supposed to be with our God. Why? Why would you think that? The reason I think that is because that's the most beautiful things in relationship that I experience on this earth. When I go with a buddy on a walk, and we just chat it up and walk together, or with my wife, chat it up and walk together, or we go for a surf, I get some real genuine, real close connection and conversation. Those moments are special. It takes time, and it takes no distraction, and it's the most beautiful times in life in relationship. How many people really seek God in prayer, talking to him alone, like they do with very close friends, family members, or a spouse? God is closer than a brother, isn't he? Closer than a sister. Closer than a spouse. He knows the deepest, darkest things going inside you, and he loves you. He's for you. He wants the best for you. Point number two, if you're taking notes, pray to your father. Pray to emphasis on your father. 
pray to your Father. Verse 6, Jesus says, but when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Your dad. Go talk with your dad. It's amazing it's sitting right there in the text. Notice it does not say pray to saints. Nope. You can call me Father Joshua when I die if you want to pray, pray. No, don't do that. It doesn't say even to pray to his mother Mary. This would be a great place to put it in, but it's not there. It's right before us in the text. And this is right before, notice in your Bibles, right before the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. Our God who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This prayer is the next thing in our verse. Jesus is talking about this. He says, when you pray, go into secret and talk to your father. Pray to your father. Jesus gives a great picture and principle of prayer, but notice this is not a law. Jesus is actually saying every time that you pray, every time you are in prayer, you don't need to go into your room. You don't need to shut the door. That's not the law or rule that he's giving. What he is giving is saying, when you pray, go to your father. The most important thing. It doesn't matter where you're praying. If it's in secret, it doesn't matter where, but go to your father. One of my favorite pictures in the Old Testament is Moses. Do you remember Moses? Moses is the guy with the staff who parted the Red Sea and led the Israelites away from Pharaoh. Remember? Exodus 33.10 says, When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, and the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door, thus the Lord used to speak. The Lord used to speak. Don't miss this. The Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. This is amazing. The Bible says that Moses would go up on the mountain and talk to God like a friend talks to his friend. That's amazing. And then Joshua picked up on this. Joshua was the successor of Moses. And Joshua, the young guy watching the old man Moses, Like, how does he lead people? How does he do that? How does he lead millions of people? What's the secret? What's his secret sauce? This is it. Moses communed with God over and over as a friend does with a friend. And he was equipped and empowered to then lead at a very large capacity, a very high level. And it says here in Exodus 33 that the young man Joshua would go into the tent of meeting. I don't know if you know what the tent of meeting was. It was a tabernacle, this place where God would come down and actually hang out in this tent. No joke. He would come down and hang out in this tent. And it says Joshua would go in and he would hang out in that tent and he just wouldn't come out for long periods of time. He would not depart from the tent. Why? Because God was in there. God was in there. You know what the secret to Jesus' ministry was? How did he do all these miracles? How, how, did he, how did he stay charged up and ministering at such a high capacity day and night when he was fully human, also fully God, but choose to set, a, set aside his God powers for many moments so that he could live just as we did? How did he pull this off? I'll tell you. The secret to Jesus' ministry 
the one thing that his disciples asked him, Lord, teach us this. What did, what did they ask him? Lord, teach us to pray. The secret to Jesus' ministry is prayer. This is one of my favorite verses, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Mark 1, 35, it says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. He gets up before the sun rises, and the boys are like, where's Jesus? He's gone again. Where is he at? He said he was going to pray with his father again. Again, didn't he just do that yesterday, though? He was kind of gone for like two or three hours. Like, when is he going to come back? We don't know. And I love that it says he goes out to a desolate place, almost to a place where nobody can find him. A lot of times people think of Jesus as like the mega church pastor. He wasn't. He ran from the crowds. The only time he had a mega church is when he actually fed the people. You feed the people and they show up. Easter, right? Tacos and ice cream, they show up. See? See? I got my tips from Jesus. That's the only time you see it. Five, the crowds grew to 5,000 when he did what? He broke the loaves and the fish. They were, he was feeding them every time. After that, he says some hard sayings. He's like, unless you eat of, eat of my body and drink of my blood, you'll have no part in the kingdom. And they're like, what? Okay, we're out of here. And there's only 12 left. And he says to his disciples, are you guys going to leave me too? And he said, where are we going to go, Lord? You alone have the words to eternal life. There's no way we're leaving you. Legacy, we have to be a people who sincerely have a real relationship with God. We talk to him. We pray and seek him. We know him as a child knows his father, and that's my child. We can go with him anytime. I know her voice. We seek him. It has nothing to do with what other people think. That's so far from a relationship. It would be like, it would be like us simply all the time trying to impress, trying to impress, trying to impress. And we know that those relationships are hard to uphold sometimes. And sometimes we have to with work or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, the relationships that we love the most are the ones where we feel we can let our hair down, we can be real, we can be honest, we can be upfront, and we can just talk. We don't have to be anything for anyone else. And I'm telling you, that relationship already exists. And it's with your father. It's with your father. Pray to your Father, you know him, talk with him. That leads us to our next point. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases, verse 7, as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Verse 7, don't heap up empty phrases in our prayer. Point number three, if you're taking notes, pray with honest words. Just pray with honest words. After reading this, I'm surprised and blessed that Jesus said this. He said it 2,000 years ago, and it still applies today because humans are humans. We do the same thing. And Jesus knows us. He knows us well. He is God and is the Lord of all creation. He tells his disciples that when they pray, don't heap up empty phrases. Amazing. He was listening to Peter pray. He's listening to John pray, and he's like, guys, get over here. I know you're trying to impress me with your prayers because I'm Jesus and stuff, but just don't heap up empty phrases. Don't do vain repetition. You don't need to do that. When you pray, just talk to your father. He tells his own disciples this. 
even when you're by yourself, we should watch ourselves. Don't just launch into repetition. Take your time. Pray to the Lord. If you watch yourself closely, I do the same thing, and I'm a pastor. I will find myself praying the same words almost over and over and over again, and they can become vain repetition. It doesn't have to be vain repetition. It can actually be meaningful if we're thinking about it when we're praying, but we can find ourselves offering up empty phrases and words. We do this when we pray for meals, right? Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. Amen. The blessing, right? You remember Christmas vacation? The blessing. It's like, huh? The, the old man was yelling at his wife to pray the blessing, and uh, she can't hear him, and so he keeps yelling louder, the blessing. She's like, what? Pray. And she's like, okay. She stands up at the family Christmas meal. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Absolutely hilarious. But what are we praying for? Who are we praying for? Pray with honest words. Have you ever talked with someone who is impressed with their own vocabulary? They are speaking to impress, but it's very robotic and not heartfelt and genuine. There's a difference between trying to impress with words and just having a conversation. Jesus tells us to get away from vain repetition and big, lofty, empty words. Martin Lloyd-Jones actually was against writing down his prayers, not because it helped with being fearful of praying in front of people, but because it was just that, an orchestrated prayer to sound beautiful before people and not a prayer for God. That doesn't mean that we can't write down prayers. We can and we should. The psalmist does it. After all, King David, he writes so many prayers. And we should do it as well. But if we're writing it to be lofty or so that we stand up, other people will hear it and say, man, that was a good prayer. We're missing the whole point of the prayer. The whole point of the prayer is for the Lord. Now, if we're writing an in-depth prayer unto Almighty God for him, praise God that you're able to do that. It's a good thing. I remember I was in a service and a guy approached the pulpit. And in that service, he would write down, he wrote down his prayer and because he had to, because that's what they required there at that church. But I could see he spent so much time on trying to make sure everything connected absolutely perfectly sealed, theologically was articulated and sealed perfectly. He was standing there like fearful because he knew all of these pastors uh, were sitting in front of him and he was worried about what they th- were thinking. And during the prayers, I'm listening to it. I'm thinking, who is he talking to? I think he's talking to the front row because it, I couldn't even pray it. I was like having a hard time understanding what he was praying. He's praying for an applause. I mean, who talks like that? When you have a real conversation with somebody, it's, again, heartfelt. And if you have a large vocabulary, you're blessed. That's a good thing. But we don't need to throw it around to impress. We use it for God's glory. We have developed new languages when we pray in Christianity. You know, there's the Pentecostal prayer language. They get all fired up, so crazy and so sloppy. They say things that are weird and out there, and you're just like, okay, uh, I think God heard that prayer. Amen. That, that was awesome. I'm going to try to agree with that. Okay. And then you have the Reformed theological-sounding perfect prayer in which it doesn't even sound like they're talking to anyone. It's so formulated, you can't even connect with it. It's like, okay. I don't get that. Then there's the new believer praying for the first time. 
my favorite. They're scared. They don't know how to pray. They haven't been influenced by the desires to be seen by men yet. They're just like, uh, should I pray? Yeah, man, go ahead. You can pray, you know. Come on, let's pray. Um, uh, Lord, do you hear me? Um, I need you to help me with my situation. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Praise God, brother. Thank you, man. Thank you for praying. God hears that prayer. It's just somebody genuinely trying to connect with God who's just nervous as he doesn't know what to do. Look, there are religious people in the world who can outpray you with words and speech any day. But they're not communing with God because they don't have access to him in the way that we do. There are religious people everywhere who can pray like that, pray very religious prayers, but are not even connected to God. This is the Pharisee in Jesus' picture today. And I'm telling you that you have access to him as a son or as a daughter, and it's absolutely beautiful. It is healthy for us to fear when we are approaching Almighty God, but it is also healthy for us to understand that he is our Father and that we can come boldly into his throne anytime we want to. Listen to the prayer of the great King David, Psalm 86, verse 1. He says, Bend down, O Lord, hear my prayer. Answer me. I need you. I need your help. Protect me, for I'm devoted to you. Save me, for I serve and trust you. You are my God. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I'm calling on you constantly. Give me happiness, O Lord, for I give myself to you. O Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. Listen closely to my prayer, O Lord. Hear my urgent cry. I will call to you whenever I'm in trouble, and you will answer me. Psalm 86, it's a beautiful prayer. Do you think that Adam, when he walked around in the Garden of Eden, talking to God, did he change his voice in prayer? He changed his voice for his like holy, holy voice, you know? It's like, oh no, Eve, Eve, God's coming. Oh, Father, do you hear me? Oh, God, Almighty King, are you there? No. He was in the garden with his dad, his father who's in heaven. He spoke with him as a friend speaks to a friend. Lloyd-Jones says that it is ultimately a talk, a conversation, a communion with my father, and one does not address one who loves in this perfect, polished manner, paying attention to all the phrases and words and all the rest. There is surely something spontaneous about true communion and fellowship. Love that. Something spontaneous. Is there something true about spontaneous communion and fellowship? 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Verse 8, don't be like them. Our final verse. Verse 8, do not be like them, Jesus says, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Point number four and finally, if you're taking notes, pray like a child. Pray like a child. Jesus says, don't be like them. Who? the hypocrites, the Pharisees, the guy who stands on the corner street to be seen. Jesus gives the reason. He says, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So you don't need to pray like that. He already knows. You can't impress him. 
You can't impress them with your prayer. After your prayer, God does not say, that was incredible prayer. I mean, wow. You just blew my mind on that prayer. He doesn't. Your father, your father, your father, child, your father knows what you need. Child, your father knows what you need. A father and a mother knows what the child needs even before they ask. They know what they want, what they need. Your father knows. A father knows a child's needs to eat, to have love, to have time with them, to have words. He knows what the child needs, to have leadership in their life. They need shelter. A father knows this. A small child doesn't have to explain this to his parents or her parents. A two-year-old doesn't have to walk up and say, Dad, you know, um, so I need you to feed me. I need you to clothe me. I need you to help me. I need shelter today. I need all these things. A child doesn't do that. The father already knows. The mother already knows what they need. And your father in heaven knows what you need. He knows exactly what you need. If we could get back to praying simply like a child, simple faith, purely believing with all of our hearts, I think we may see true revival in the church. Watch this. Revival is not some magical, mystical thing where like there's fairy dust flying around in the air and everybody's running around on the streets shouting Jesus. You know what it is? It's just simply each of us communing with our Father, fully turned towards Him with all of our hearts, revived, revived from the inside out, in perfect communion with Him, walking with Him each day, one day at a time. If everyone did this today here, this is enough to transform the neighborhoods around us. This is revival. My little Eden, I was working on my Jeep yesterday, and I was under the truck. And she came out and she was very sad and she couldn't tell me what was going on because she was so sad she wanted to cry. But she's holding her words in trying to tell me what's going on but she can't because she's going to lose it and start crying. And so I can see, I just sense, even though I'm all greased up, I'm under the Jeep and I'm looking at her, I just see, I can sense it. She just needs a hug. So then I grab her and I hug her and then she just starts to cry and cry and cry. When I hugged her, she was able to release her tears and her worry. And I do feel this is how it is with our fathers. Sometimes we just need to go to him directly. Romans 8.26 says, like the spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Sometimes we just need to go there with the Lord and say, Lord, you know. Just to be there with our Father to let our hearts be healed, to let our minds be changed and revived and built up and encouraged. A child seeks their father or mother how many times a day? My little Eden man, 
more times than I can count. Mom, 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 dad, dad, dad. Nonstop. How many times should we go to our father to talk? You don't have to set up a big appointment and meeting to go talk with your father. Did you know that? Right now, anytime, like a walkie-talkie option on your on your Apple Watch, you just press go and you start talking and he's right there. He is always ready to listen. Isn't that incredible? He doesn't sleep nor slumber. He's always ready. Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be open. Which one of you, if his son asks him for some bread, will give him some, a stone? If you ask for a fish, will he give him a serpent? No. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father give to those who ask him? Give good things to those who ask him. Does God want us to seek him many times in a day? Yes, he's our father. He loves his kids, he loves you, and he wants you in communion with him. How much does he love them? How much does he love us? He has sacrificed all for us so that we could come close to him. Isn't that amazing? The whole message of the gospel family is this, that Jesus would lay down his life. God would send his son down to the earth to die for our sins. For what reason? Just so that we could come and talk to him. Just so that we could come and be in relationship with him. And that's what Jesus is getting at. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Hebrews 4.15, our final verse. The high priest of ours, Jesus, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testing as we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Boldly to the throne of the grace of our God. There we will receive mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it the most. When's the last time you went before the Lord and you're just like, that was the dumbest thing I ever did? I can't believe I actually went to the Lord in prayer. Why would I ever do something like that? I know that those times that you were actually able to commune with your God some of the most magical, beautiful times in your life. And each of you have those experiences. You remember those times. And I want to encourage you today, find those times this week. Set a time, a little time. Go for a walk. Go spend some time in your room by yourself. I don't know. You find your quiet place, wherever that is. Take your Bible. Take your journal. And just talk to your father. He's listening. He's ready. He's ready to meet. You don't have to set an appointment. You can meet with him anytime you want. Talk to your Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are readily available right now. You always want to meet with us. You always want to commune with us. I thank you for your people here today, Lord. You're calling to them to meet with you. You say, call unto me, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And I do believe, Lord, that you are asking us to call upon you, to renew our relationship with you, to open up back that line of communication and spend time with you. And I pray for those, I pray for those who deeply understand you and know you. 
and just know, Lord, they need to come back close into relationship with you. You hear them. They hear you knocking on their hearts. They hear you calling to them. I pray that we would find you, Lord, once again this week. And I pray for those who haven't prayed to you, who don't know you or haven't prayed to you very often, don't know your voice, don't know your heart, that, Lord, they would find you this week as well. Through the work of the Lord Jesus, Lord, we remember your gospel that our sins are forgiven because of the cross and because you have done this work for us. We choose to turn to you with all of our hearts in this moment. We repent of our sin. We put our faith in you, Jesus. We choose to walk with you. Make us your sons. Make us your daughters. We want to know you closely. I pray, Lord, for the church that you would revive us. Bring revival. Bring us into close relationship with you. We love you, King. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.